Hey, it's Faith, and you're listening to Not Like the Movies. Today I'm talking to Bailey Humiston, who has been in a bunch of different shows, including The Bold and the Beautiful, Pam and Tommy, and The Sex Life of College Girls. She is part of Iama Theater, which is a theater company local to LA, so definitely check out their shows if you have a chance. She's also in a feature film that is on Apple TV right now. It's called Sid is Dead, if you want to check that out. She is just a lovely person and has a great energy and outlook on the work that we do and the idea that what is meant for you will find you and you just have to find a way to get yourself to a point to accept that. She goes through her preparation process as a guest star versus a co-star versus a lead in a feature film and just kind of explores how we're supposed to have fun doing this thing and that it's supposed to be joyful and exciting. So I hope you enjoy this. This is Bailey Humiston. So what you think, so what you do, they don't really care about you. So have a drink and think it through, but baby, it's not like the movies. Hi, girl. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You look so cute. You have a whole little setup. You know, I just like I put my plants around. They bring good energy. I just made my uh, espresso. My Grammy just got me an espresso machine for Christmas, which is like that's so cute. So nice. Yeah, so I'm trying my hand at baristaing, which I have never done, and uh, I keep burning the milk. Oh my god, my roommate made fun of me because my family doesn't drink coffee, so like I never watched anyone make it, and she has like a coffee percolator, is what it's called. It's like an old glass thing that like you use on the stove and I was trying to explain to someone what she had because I didn't even know what it was called and I had to like yeah. watch her do a little demo in the kitchen to figure out how to use it. I know these coffee things are just so they're getting very complex as we uh, move into this situation of hipsterdom. <laughs> well how are you how's your life? Life is good. Your skin looks great. So something's going right. Yeah. You know what? If that's one thing that I can have going well for me, then, you know, everything else will hopefully follow suit. No, things are good. I just been back here, like skiing a ton. Me and David, uh, my boyfriend, we got an icon pass. So we're just trying to go as much as we can. And it's, it's been so great because Mammoth got a ton of snow. They've gotten like over 200% more snow than they've ever gotten by this time of year, which is absolutely insane so yeah we're just shredding the pal bro <laughs> it's been fun oh how God. about you how are you what have you been up to I'm good I'm doing all the things January is always really dead for me same so I'm just like hi team do you need anything and they're like no leave us alone <laughs> I'm here <laughs> but yeah and then I'm doing I'm doing this and it's been really fun just like talking to everyone and- no this is great when you asked me to do this I was like yeah let's just like chill and talk about life I'm so glad no it's amazing you know what you're not Joe Rogan so like we need more women podcast hosts <laughs> well yeah. essentially the point of this is I feel like there's an imbalance of the idea that you have to be a miserable artist to succeed and that you can't like you have to put your whole personal life on hold and you can't have any other things that you do like I love that you guys are so into what you just said like you're skiing and stuff that has nothing to do with the industry I guess maybe you could book something where they want you to ski but that's not the point of what you're doing and just that there's people here that still do it because they want to create things and aren't 
you know, there's so many bad Hollywood stories of like people taking advantage of other people and the money stuff and the business side. And I think it's discouraging when you're trying to be a part of it, that there aren't people who really care about the artistry. All of that stuff I feel like is important to talk about, but like in tandem of each other. And I think that that is what a lot of artists are missing when they are going out and talking to people and like Mm -hmm. just being a general human being seems to be so difficult for people when attending a networking event or going to a party or any sort of social situation, which, you know, in LA, at least for me, and I think this goes for everybody else, but everybody just wants to connect when they go to these things. Everybody just wants like a genuine human connection with another person, especially after these years of isolation. I think the problem is, is when we get into these situations of socialization, we feel like we have to like dump all the good things that have been going on in our life. Like, okay, all right, all right. Let me think about that last project that I worked on. Okay, who did I work with? And what's going on there? What's the last audition I did? What's the last casting workshop I did? Instead of being like, how are you? Where are you from? What is your family like? And I think that's the part of myself that I'm also working on when now that I'm going back to these industry events that are now starting to be in person again. I'm trying to ask those questions. And I think they catch people off guard sometimes. So like, oh, well, I do this and this is what I do. And this is what I'm working on. And sure, all of these things are very important and very important things to be proud of and to share. But I think Mm -hmm. also we're missing this entire, maybe like 90% of ourselves that are, you know, emotional and nostalgic and like whole beings rather than just the profession that we do. That's what I'm trying to bring into 2023. I'm really trying to go to these events and things. I just joined the Television Academy, an associate member, which I I actually went to my first panel yesterday. The panel was incredible. It was um, a conversation on breast cancer narratives in television. And then afterwards, I ended up talking to someone and having like a really wonderful conversation with them. And that was my one goal going to this thing. I was like, I just want to make one friend. Yeah. How can I make one friend going to this event after years and years and years of not being able to go to these events? Yeah, I think it's the weird thing of being super lonely, I guess, in a room full of people which I feel like we are exposed to a lot because they just put a bunch of artists in a room. Yeah, like be friends. It's like preschool, right? Yes, and you feel, (laughs) it makes me feel so awkward and like I'm back in middle school and trying to be friends with the cool kids, but also trying to be myself and trying to hold a conversation. But now there's a layer of having to be professional. Right. There's so many things. I feel like there's a similar, I guess, vibe. I haven't had this experience, but a lot of my friends that guest star a lot or are day players have the experience of you're entering into a cast that's already established and already have like a rhythm and you have to enter and be okay with whatever vibe they have. 
But then there's that weird thing of what if you actually need something for you to do your process or to deliver what you need to deliver? Because we know you don't get the same treatment as the lead who's the number one on the call sheet. So you can't ask for all this stuff, but you have to navigate what's going to fulfill you for that day and help you give your performance without messing up them. And also you want to be friendly, but not bother them. How do you do that? Yeah, that's a skill I've yet to master too. I think in terms of the co-star roles that I've played so far, I've had a really wonderful group of other women that were also Mm -hmm. co-starring on that day, which made it so much easier because you sort of had this group of new kids all put in one holding room. And so we all sort of bonded that day. And that's been my experience with with co-starring so far. I have not co-starred by myself at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that would definitely be a lot harder and more isolating. But like, even when I did Pam and Tommy, it was just, it was three of us that day. And it was the first day of shooting that day. Everybody was new that day you know which like sure a lot of them had been doing pre-pro for months and months and months but like still it was it was like the first day of school for everybody which was super exciting and really fun I think that part made it a lot easier too to, to sort of you know everybody was sort of on this plane of first day we're all really excited because I feel like also like co-stars usually will come into a project like really excited yeah. to be a part of it maybe they're on like their 70 fifth day of shooting and everybody's been fighting in the main cast internal drama that you don't even really know is like actually happening and you have to sort of like be attuned to that energy but I haven't had that situation as of yet but I have heard stories about that that are like very intense energy but in terms of asking for what you want that's tricky that's something that I know I need to maybe work on and, and acknowledge a little bit more because when you're when you're going in to do a co-star your your job is literally to to move the story for the regulars that's your job right. in my experience of showing up and however they want to do my hair they're doing my hair however they do, want to do my makeup they're doing my makeup I don't I, I'm like yes yes and yes and the whole day I don't think I've I've gotten myself into a position where I have been like, oh my God, I absolutely hate how this looks, right? Or I hate, you know, the choice that I made. I think you you just like, just generally for a co-star guest star, you just have to go in like, yes, anding and just be able to really go with the flow and be really easy to work with and be a good person. And I think like, if there's anything like, bad happening like something wrong happening that you feel unsafe then absolutely that is when you you speak up and you say okay this feels unsafe like can we do this again you just need to go in ready knowing what you're doing knowing your lines knowing the choices that you want to make you need to be really quick on your feet when the director tells you to try something else you need to be really quick on your feet when they give you blocking and you do your blocking rehearsal, like everything is moving really fast mm-hmm. on those days. There's not a lot of room for questions. I think we all understand that as a guest star or co-star or a day player, you are, like you said, serving the story in a different way than their leads are or their regulars are. So how do you make sure that you still have, you know, your artistry with 
the things like you do have to hit this mark and you do have to be here at this time and you do have to have it all memorized and you do have to be like the most unproblematic person that's on set that day. Yes, you do. And so here's the fun part, right? There are good questions to ask, I think. Mm -hmm. For Pam and Tommy, I didn't have any lines. We sort of all showed up to set like, it was like three of us cast as like the same role, essentially. Mm -hmm. So we we didn't know exactly what we would be doing until we got there, which was sort of exciting. Got to set, we had stand-ins, which was crazy. We had stand-ins rehearse and like block our whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then we, a team went in and like, we, we got to shoot the thing. But I remember asking the director, cause he was like, yeah, let's just like roll a couple, just like see what happens. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna like throw in a line. Is that cool? He's like, yeah, 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 throw in a line. So I did, and he was like, all right, how about you just do the scream? So I did the scream. And he's like, yeah, actually I love the scream. Let's just keep the scream. I'm like, solid. So, you know, there is room I think in some instances to play, have that room to ask those questions to say, oh yeah, I just really want to try this if, if we have the time. And then the same thing on Sex Lives of College Girls too, we each of us had our moment and our director, Kabir Akhtar, who's amazing and a good friend of mine, he gave us a lot of takes. So then we got to ask the question of like, okay, can I try it this way? And you'd be like, yeah, totally. You know, you need to be invited to ask the question, right? There needs to be like some sort of invitation from the director, from the um, production team to ask that question and do it. Otherwise, if they're like, if they're like, okay, stand here, do this, do it like that, go, that's what you're doing. And usually it serves the story. Like they know, they pretty much know the story and like the story that they're telling better than you do, you know, like you're just like showing up for the day. So you you do it that way. But again, there are situations where there's room to ask. Your first couple of times that you were on like a big set and I've had some teachers who mention you don't want to be too green or too excited. And some people have the exact opposite approach and are like, people get it, be excited, but just don't be annoying. What's your vibe? Find your balance there for sure. I I know what you're saying about the green thing. I'm always like ultra cautious. And I think I need to work on this a little bit myself because I think I need to be slightly more, not even a risk taker, just like someone who feels okay. Just like in general being like, hi, I'm on set today because I am always in my head like, you know what? I'm saying one line on the show. It's not the big of a deal. Yeah. They can cut me out. If I post one wrong thing on social media and they find it and they're like, oh, wow. Which is a very real fear. Super real fear. Again, I have not seen it in real life, but like the people that are too extra about that stuff and like are doing too much. And I think the thing is, don't get in the way. If you're going to do BTS, if you're going to go on set and like talk to everybody, you can but just don't get in the way. Once that camera's rolling, you better be shut the fuck up and sitting in your chair. I think it's finding the balance and just like reading the room. I think you can be excited. All of us, when we were like co-stars on Sex Lives, we were all like super excited. It's so strange because with our profession, it's still a profession and our job. So you want to be professional, but no other professional has that same heightened experience of I've been grinding this whole year and then I finally got to this place that seemed to be taped off with like a red carpet and all that fancy stuff and now I'm here. If your dream is to be, I don't know, the head accountant, it's much more of a slow progression so you don't have that 
super quick change from I was at my day job yesterday and today I'm being treated like a queen because I'm talent on this set. Yeah. It's like impossible to monitor too, because yeah, like you get that one day on set, they're like feeding you lunch and bringing you Mm -hmm. slippers and making sure you're okay. Do you want coffee? Do you want, I mean, and you're just like, I think it's really important to soak it in, really be present on those days and be like, I belong here. I deserve this. I have worked super hard to be here. And this is what I want. I got here. I had a taste of it. And this is what I want for myself. Yeah. This is the life that I want to live. And it is okay if I don't have another taste of this for another uh, who knows how long. Because realistically, with the amount of actors that are out here that also need their first shot, and we want them to get their first shot, and there's room for everybody in this place that I'm currently sitting, it most likely will be a long time. And I'm okay with that. You just have to like, be okay with that. Because I think there is also that fear that when you've wrapped, you're getting changed, you're hanging up your costumes, you've taken like one more look around and you're like, this might be the last thing I ever do. Yeah. And and that thought always goes through my mind, but then I just have to tell it to shut up. I have to get a drink and celebrate. And I have to say, okay, I did that. And it's going to come around for me again. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where, but it's going to come around again. Yeah. I think if you go into to any job with like that perspective, your energy is going to be very even keeled. You're going to be like, okay, I belong here. Mm-hmm. I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. Right. Well, because it's a miracle that any of us get anything. Like it really truly, is. if you look at the numbers and just the sheer logic of everybody that's trying to do this thing, it's a miracle that you get on any set. But then you also want to hold the part, like you said, that, I do belong here and I worked hard for this and this is supposed to be happening. I didn't just win something like you did put in work, which I think is hard to discredit and just say it was lucky or your look or something dumb like that. You have to have, I mean, an element of luck of course is involved in that. And I think that's really important to acknowledge. I know that there's a lot of people who like, don't like to acknowledge that portion of it. And I understand that because yes, we are grinding and working super hard and putting all this time and money and skill into this thing but there is an element of luck there is an element of being in the right place at the right time there is an element of who you know there is an element of time and and numbers of auditions that you're doing and not booking and then you know you get this one all of that goes into it and that's all very important to acknowledge because then I think you can I mean I think there's some people that are then like oh well Ugh, I can't believe I booked this co-star and I haven't worked in three years now. Like, uh, I hate everybody else who's getting these things. But like, truly, it has nothing. I mean, I, I really truly think in a lot of these cases, especially in co-star world, where like these casting directors are getting like thousands and thousands so of submissions. Thousands, because now they can come from anywhere. It's still like a hundred or two hundred people they're calling in for one line as a waitress that they could have a PA say off. <laughs> Literally, that will probably end up being a voiceover anyway. It's one line, and they're calling in two hundred people, and then they are literally casting off of those two hundred people. They're not calling you into a room. They're not calling you back. They're never meeting you in real life. Right. Which is crazy. It's insane. That is an element of luck. Look at the regulars on the show. Look at how they all look. Look at all, look at their vibe. You have no idea what everybody's vibe is. 
And if yours is going to like conflict with that vibe and you can like sit there and, you know, overanalyze it when you're saying, can I take your order? Like really how many ways <laughs> can you say that? Just tape it and move on. I don't know. I feel like that is like slightly a lottery ticket. And I think that's okay to acknowledge and be okay with that because like if you're not then you're going to just start to resent any person who like gets that can I take your order line over yeah. you and has nothing to do with you or your tail you know but it seems like you're able to hold the yes this is lucky and I did win the lottery essentially in this but also I am capable of doing this and they didn't just pick a random person who isn't talented. Like for me, if I was to just base it in, yeah, this is really lucky. And it was a numbers game and my number got picked. I would immediately then fall into the imposter syndrome of I don't belong here because they just randomly picked someone. Yes. That's Yeah. There it is. You, you really have to like be able to differentiate that regardless of if they picked you just based on your look or just based on the way that you delivered that line on that day, you belong there. But it's important to acknowledge that it also took every single step along the way, including maybe this like element of this door that opened for you because of the way that you delivered that line or the way that your hair looked or whatever that got you there. But then when you get there, just accept that you belong there and that that's your part they would have given it to someone else if it was supposed to be someone else's part it's yours no matter how you got it but that it's all hard no I I mean trust me the imposter syndrome it's real for some of the auditions I get sometimes I'm like what and I think I think that's something I need to work on because I am I'm getting I'm getting called in for a lot of younger roles still and I'm and I'm always like okay do they know who I am Maybe they don't because then, because one of them I got like an avail check on for like a series regular for the first time last year. And I was like, oh, okay, well maybe they like, maybe I'm like best kept secret, baby. Maybe it is the skin. Okay. Like it is the skin. And <laughs> looking good. But that, that is definitely where my imposter syndrome comes in. I'm like, they're never going to pick me, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to let that go. You have to be like, no, they're calling you in because they want to see you work. Otherwise I wouldn't call you in. Right. They're not going to waste their time watching a video from someone that they're never going to cast. Exactly. Do you have a specific, I have certain friends who are very textbook actor, like they like to do the five questions every time and their tactics and their objectives. And they're very, I guess, studious. And then I have friends who literally look at the script once and are like, okay. And then they do it and I hate them. And that's just what works. For them. Do you have one thing that you always go back to? I also personally hate the people that can just be like, okay, I read the script and I'm going to give the perfect read ever of my life. <laughs> it's a theater school kid thing. You know, I, I can't let go. Of, I have it right here. I have my, my little handy dandy journal right here. I, it does depend. So co-star, obviously, if I think too much about it, I am throwing myself into a tizzy. So I'm really not going to prepare a co-star. Right. Like, I'm just, I'm going to say, can I take your order? But for that stuff, I, you know, because I do get really analytical. Sometimes I can get really brainy as an actor. So like for that stuff, I've had to let go of trying to prepare it. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm not going to prepare those ones. For series regular, I, or even guest star, actually, like depending on like how much meat they're giving us for this guest star, I just try to get out of my head with asking the five questions Mm-hmm. And rather I'm going to go through and I'm going to start with maybe question number one, but then I'm just going to like free journal in this character's voice. I really like across the board. This goes for co-star too. I always have a moment before. There's always mm-hmm. a moment before 
I make like really solid and I love to add those into tapes. So then to go back to the journaling, I, I sort of just like stream of consciousness in the character. So then when it comes to like series regular or leading a feature, especially if I have the script, which I hate when they, when they don't have the script. I know that's so. the worst. But actually sometimes it does benefit you because it allows you to like be really creative and like sort of make your very own choice and sort of have no strings attached to any preconception of the characters. Mm -hmm. It's sort of fun, but I will then be a little more structured. I will ask the five questions, you know, why am I here? What is my purpose? What was my moment before? Like all of those things I, mm -hmm. I sort of ask in a journal entry. I dance a lot while I'm setting up. I'll throw on music. I'll just try to like, cause once I get it all structured and, and planned out and I learn, and my lines are learned and I have rehearsed a lot. Mm -hmm. I rehearse a lot with my line learner, which sometimes is the bane of my existence because I get so sick <laughs> of my voice. And I like try all the things and I bring the character this way and I bring it that way. Then I just have to delete my brain. I'm like, okay, factory reset. You put on music. I try to just like not even look at the script at all. And I set up, I dance, I make sure my lighting's good. I dance some more. And, you know, my scene partner will either come over, I'll get on Zoom with them. We'll like do one rehearsal. I'll ask them if they see anything. I like, I like to know like what they're seeing on their end. You know, I'll look at my framing, like what am I seeing on my end? And then we just play. I like to just take all of these things and say, you know what, what's going to come out is going to come out. I can't control every single moment or else it's going to look like I'm controlling every single moment. I'm going to take it. I'm going to play. We'll do some adjustments. And then usually I'm the last one. Like once I definitely got a safe take, mm -hmm. I'm doing like one or two for safety that are full on bucket take. Yeah. I love that. Shake it out. And I'm like, screw this. Who actually the fuck cares? Let's do it. Sometimes, not always. Usually I'm like going with the take that was like the safe take. Like that usually looks pretty good and is like really solid. But sometimes I'm going with the fuck it take. I love that you do a little dance while you set up because setting up is the worst part. <laughs> It's the worst part. It's just like so many things. And then like your laptop's falling off of your stand. Yes, always. Or like your cord won't reach what it usually reaches for some reason because it's somehow shrunk. Yeah. And then like your lighting is off because the sun is shining. Yeah, so the sun is in a different place. And I'm like, ew, I look so ugly. <laughs> you know, and you're like going through all of these things. So like you might as well just like dance it off because like there's so many things that are out of your control that like sometimes that's just what they're going to get today. And I have a teacher that said like one of the most brilliant things ever. It was wild. This was like last summer. I, I took his like workshop and now I'm in his class. And he said, you know what? Why try to like shut down that part of you that is angry today or sad today or really happy and excited? Why try to shut that part of you down when it's happening in you and it's authentically what's going on? Why don't you just try to bring it into the audition and see what happens? Oh, I love that. Bring it into the character. See see how it informs the character on that given day. It's going to make your performance authentic. And that's what I've been finding. I'm like, oh, wow. That's kind of cool that I didn't shut that down because like that's another moment before. Like before I walked through the door, this is how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And now it's informing the character in a totally different way that is reading really interesting on camera. That resonates with me a lot more than, I don't know if you 
you've had teachers say this, but I've had teachers say the leave everything at the door, which works for some people really well. But for me, then I feel like I'm falsifying any story that I'm trying to tell because that's not where I'm at. Absolutely. And obviously if I'm super depressed and my character is not, I can't be the total opposite. But like you said, you can bring part of that into it. You don't have to leave it all and project this caricature exactly and you know what's I mean there's something so interesting about being super depressed that day and right being super excited character like what is this character hiding now now maybe you're seeing mm-hmm. from an audience perspective is she really excited right. like that's really interesting I I don't know there's something that and sure like whatever especially when you're doing a play and you're doing it a thousand times but like but that's a really interesting thing to do too like when you when you have a really long run of a, of a show or trying different things in rehearsal like if you bring that in like maybe the director's like what did you bring into that today <laughs> <laughs> really like that. Can we lock that in? And you're like, yeah, sure. That's been a fun element that I've been bringing into my tapes. And I think it's working. I was going to ask you about when you brought up the stage stuff, because you're musical theater, technically, like in training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then did you do stuff in New York as a musical theater kid first and then moved to LA? Or how did you get here? So I fell in love with acting through singing. That's kind of what I did too. I started in musical theater. Yeah. I think a lot of people start there. Well, because when you're a kid, nobody wants to put you in a play. They want to put you in like Annie or whatever. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it's always like something that everybody has to do it's like the fifth grade play right is getting a part in I don't know Peter Pan or always now I had always like really loved singing as a kid but I never really got the opportunities to like go do it I was like getting my black belt in taekwondo but I would like sing in the shower all the time and I auditioned for that and I ended up getting a solo and I fell in love with being on stage that was the moment mm-hmm. I was like okay this is it this is it and then I just started doing a bunch of musical theater all through middle school and high school and then I started you know watching a lot of tv like I, I started to get like really into Grey's Anatomy and Lost and I was like do I want to be a doctor I want to play a doctor on tv and then I got really into the Twilight books and then they were making the movies and I remember being like okay so I really want to play Jane the Vampire in New Moon. So I sent, I I got these like <laughs> headshots in Buffalo that were like full glam shots. I was 13, I was 25 in them. I sent them off to the casting director of New Moon. Obviously, I never heard of it. That was sort of my gateway. I was like, maybe I should live in LA. Like maybe that's where I should go. I want to be in the movies because being in musical theater was like a thing. But like at that time in my life, and now this has totally changed, but like watching a play or a musical for me at that time, I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, take it or leave it. But like watching TV and watching movies. Right. It's a different world. That's what I want to do. Then my my tune sort of changed because I went to New York for the first time. I saw my first Broadway show. I was like, whoa. That's magical. (laughs) That's what I want to do. But also like film programs weren't super prevalent, like where I was looking and I was like, well, I, sh- I might as well just get, like get my BFA. I mean, that's what I did. There wasn't, it made more sense to get a BFA than to try and go to a random film school where we yeah. would have had to also do all the other tech stuff that would have been beneficial, but not what I want to ideally do. Yeah. And like the liberal arts degree, right? That everybody made sound so important. Right. <laughs> you know, the real degree. <laughs> I use it so much. Um- <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing my BFA has done for me 
is I taught at a surf camp one summer and the lady asked me if I had a college degree and I said yes and she gave me five dollars more an hour there it is thank you DFA for my extra five dollars an hour but yeah no it's listen I don't regret it but it yeah it's sort of sometimes feels like a really expensive useless piece of paper yeah But so I I got my, my BFA in Buffalo. And at the time, like all of my professors were really pushing for me to move to New York and, or stay in Buffalo and like do Buffalo theater. And I sort of had to gaslight everybody and tell them that I was moving to New York because I really wanted to graduate (laughs) early. And I had this opportunity to do so, but I felt like I had to like tell everybody like, oh yeah, I'm totally moving to New York. It's like, really want to get this done so I can get to New York. And I remember like, once everything got squared away, I <laughs> looked at the head of my department. I was like, so I'm moving to Los Angeles. And he was like, you should stop in Santa Fe on the way. Very funny. But Santa Fe was beautiful. I loved it. We did stop there on the way. But yeah, it was, it was like sort of a wild situation. You know, I had these mentors that I no longer talk to. <laughs> I feel like we all do. We all, we all, we all have those uh, trauma mentors, but I mean, that was like the reason why I think I pulled the trigger on it was because, I mean, cause everybody was like, Oh, if you go to New York, like this, 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 and this, and this, and this person and that person. But for some reason, I, I think mostly because I, I knew I wanted to be here. I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to be in LA, like since I was a kid, right? Like since I was watching Meredith Grey pull a bomb out of a body in eighth <laughs> grade, I was like, I need to do that. I moved to LA. And what's great is that my BFA was, again, not useless. My first jobs out here were all in theater. Oh, same. I still work at the theater. Yeah. Well, same. Yeah. I'm, I'm still like in a theater company and like that's... Great. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was, it was all really helpful because I did like a ton of black box shows and met a lot of really wonderful friends that I'm still super close with. One of them, I'm going to be in her wedding. So that was really beneficial for me to find community out here yeah now I now I'm in Iama which has been mm-hmm. a huge huge blessing I love oh every there. show I see there is so good which is very hard to do as a company you know usually you watch a company stuff and you're like oh I really liked two of those yeah but every time I see something there the, the most recent one I saw one of my friends from my class produced it smile smile that was really good and the one that you were in constellations I want to say uh celestial events yeah. Constellation slash events. Super close. Like could have been called that, you know. But everything I see at that company, I don't know exactly what it is, but I think it's just there's always a strong sense of ensemble and the fact that I feel like you're all trying to tell a story and it's not some shows I see I can almost feel that people are like look at me I'm the lead and I'm doing this thing and that's not the vibe that I get from that at all and everything just flows like the tech and the movement and everything just works and it feels it feels like I'm watching a movie that just keeps moving yeah yeah everybody that's involved in I am is so good at what they do and I, I I feel that I feel like every show that I've seen has like really seamless transitions Mm -hmm. and they're just trying to like economize the time really well the compact like sort of 90 minute like show is what they what they're like so good at and everybody there's so cool I just love everybody it's sort of like again like a built-in community to be able to do theater in Los Angeles which is very rare a gift 
Okay. Cause yeah, like, you know, everybody's like theater in LA, that's not real. And I'm like, but it is, and we're good at it. So leave us alone. I'm sorry. We're not anymore. I feel like so lucky to be a part of that. And I don't, I'm unsure of if I like would have come out here and had the confidence to throw myself into theater auditions mm -hmm. and like, know that I really belong there. Had I not had my extensive theater background and, and BFA and like all that. Thanks BFA, still paying you off. I had a professor that would be like, cause we had BFAs and BAs, which is like a whole nother concept. I think that's dumb that there's like such a divide, but he would always say, earn your fucking F. Ooh, earn that F baby. Well, this has been so lovely. I could talk to you for forever. I know, okay. this was great. I would love to do this anytime. Thank you so much. It was so lovely. I had a great time. Me too. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.